This series is called Fix Your Thoughts. We're teaching on the subject of our thoughts. And I think it's so important because our thoughts can become one of our biggest struggles in life. And sometimes people think the problems, the problems that they're dealing with are, are life problems, situational problems, and I think oftentimes they're actually thought problems. You, as you talk to yourself, internally become the narrator for your life story. And the way you talk to yourself will determine what kind of story it is. Do you want your story, your life story, to be a great adventure or a great tragedy? It's going to be determined by the way that you think. And so that's why we said in Philippians 4, 8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we want to fix our thoughts on what's good, not what's bad, not what's negative. If you think negative thoughts, you will become a negative person. But if you think like God, you'll become like Jesus. So we want to fix our thoughts, amen? And, and we're going to continue on as we talk about our thoughts. I want to focus tonight on how to find freedom from critical thoughts. I think we all struggle with critical, judgmental thinking at times. It's a common struggle. And some people are more critical than others. Some people maybe grew up in a household where there was a lot of critical talk and you learned to talk that way. Critical people are always talking about what other people should have done and what they shouldn't have done. And that wasn't good. And that was terrible. And the service wasn't very good. And the food wasn't very good. And the people weren't very nice. And they're critical, critical, judging. And this kind of talk, these kinds of thoughts they end up robbing you of the joy that God wants you to have for life. Scientists say that our brains are hardwired to more easily notice what's negative and what's wrong rather than what's good and what's wonderful. Uh, we're more likely to notice somebody frowning than smiling at us, they say. And they say that this is an evolutionary advantage we have that we developed this in order to be more likely to avoid danger and survive. And I think that's a very sciencey thing to say, but it's wrong. It's not an evolutionary advantage, it's a spiritual disadvantage. Because God didn't make us that way. God created us in his image. And God does not think negative thoughts. When God created the heavens and the earth, he stepped back and he said, that's very good. And he created us to think the way that he thinks. It's not the way we were made. We didn't develop that, but rather our sinful nature is what led us towards seeing the negative, criticizing people, judging, seeing what's wrong rather than what's good. And I think this is something that's so dangerous because this type of thinking can creep into our lives. It can really hurt our relationships with other people. As we become critical, it pushes people away, doesn't it? Critical thinking and critical talking, it'll hurt your relationship with everyone in your life. Kids, spouses, parents, friends, church members, like people in your life, they won't want to be around you. When we think critical thoughts, it grows inside of us like I would call it a cancerous, bitter weed that chokes out life and the enjoyment of life. It chokes out our relationships and it doesn't just hurt other people, but it hurts you. It hurts you, it robs you of joy 
and critical negative thinking will lead you to a place you don't want to go, a place of depression and, and really negative, a negative outlook on life in the whole world where nobody's good enough and nothing's enjoyable. And that's not where God wants for you. So we want to talk about critical thoughts. And I think it's a little bit of a tricky topic at times. And I think one of the reasons that we all struggle with critical thoughts and, and we have to stay on guard against them is that critical thinking is a necessary skill. And that's what makes this tricky is critical thinking is a necessary skill and not all critical thinking is bad. And I'm going to explain this. The word criticism, it means to judge or to decide. And on a daily basis, you have to make judgment calls and decisions that's just a part of life. You have to measure your options. You have to decide if you're going to take this job or that job. Are you going to let the neighbor's kids play with your kids? I don't know. Do you trust the neighbors? Like, or, or are their kids scary? It's, just, it's a judgment call. Are you going to hire this company or that company? You know, they have more experience, but I get along better with those ones. Like, that's a judgment call. It's critical thinking. And this type of critical thinking is analytical thinking. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's okay. And then spiritually, we have to make critical decisions at times. When it comes to our lives spiritually, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. So when you hear a, a spiritual leader speaking and preaching or teaching, you're not supposed to just take it all at face value and trust everything they say. Maybe you think as a pastor, I would tell you, just trust me, just do what I say, take my word for it. But that's not what God says. You need to test what you are taught. Compare it to the word of God. Because there are false teachers and false prophets in the world, false preachers in the world, preaching a false gospel, and we have to be on guard against that, so we have to compare, and that's a type of critical thinking. This critical thinking is careful thinking, and it's evaluating and being cautious, not because you want to have, you know, bad motives or the wrong kind of heart, but because this is important, and we have to be careful. Additionally, I would say that critical thinking is a necessary skill for all leaders, it's necessary to be successful in business and leadership. I think about Moses, and this was kind of cool to me. Moses, in Exodus 18, he was leading God's people, and he was judging their struggles and, and problems, making decisions, and it was overwhelming to him. And at one point, his father-in-law came to him and said, like, what are you doing, man? You can't, you can't make all these decisions. You can't judge all these people's disputes. You need some help up in here. Okay, so here's what he said, Exodus 18. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. So he was appointing men to lead and to share the leadership burden. I think it's interesting that these leaders, their job was to judge. Leaders have to make judgment calls. They have to think critically. What strategy is best for my business? Who should I hire? 
Who should I fire? Who should I promote? That's a judgment call. It requires critical thinking. It's not necessarily negative. It's just what leaders have to do. And I, I want to talk to the leaders. Anybody that's in a leadership role, you know what I'm talking about, where it's almost like you're hardwired to see what's not working right. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see what's broken. God made you that way. And I used to feel really bad about that. Like, man, I'm so negative. I, I'm always criticizing things. And the thing is that as a leader, God wires you to see what's not working so that as a leader, you can fix it. That's why you walk into a restaurant and you start evaluating the customer service and the food and the branding. It's why you go to an amusement park and you criticize the way that the lines are set up. It's because God made you to be a leader. It's not, who, it's not bad. You shouldn't feel guilty about it, but it can be dangerous. If you can't turn it off, you can become trapped in critical thinking. So that it's no longer a valuable life skill. Now it's a spiritual sickness. So I want to warn you in, in this way. Critical thinking can become a critical spirit. It's okay to have critical thinking when it's a matter of being analytical or careful or wanting to be successful in business. But when you can't turn it off, when you're always negative and always critical, then you're no longer a critical thinker. Now you have a critical spirit. It's no longer just your thoughts. It's who you are. And this is very dangerous. And I understand this, I think, this issue, because I've really struggled with this in my life. It's been something that, that I've really wrestled with. And God started to point out to me, hey, you are critical. And I, you know how I noticed this? I first noticed this because I realized the people I liked being around weren't critical. It took me a while to figure that out. I, started, I remember asking myself as a young guy, like, man, why do I like that guy so much? Like, I love being around him. What's the deal with that? And then I realized, you know what? It's because he's nothing like me. He's encouraging and positive. Whereas I'm going around criticizing people all the time. And, and I think it's something that, you know, a lot of young people struggle with. Young people tend to have strong opinions about what other people should do. And I did. I had a lot of strong opinions about how other people should live their lives, how they should handle their money, how they should go about pursuing their careers. I thought I knew a lot. And then as a young pastor, you know, multiple years ago, eight years ago when I first became a pastor, I had a lot of strong opinions about how ministry should look and, and my philosophies about music and programs and what was the most important. I had a lot of opinions, you know, and I didn't know what I was talking about. But I, was, I became critical. I developed a critical spirit and I got trapped criticizing different churches and leaders who did things differently and pointing out, well, they should have done this and they should have done that. And God showed me, you are a critical person with a critical spirit. In fact, there was one point, ironically, where when I was in the military and I was stationed in another city, I went to this church and I listened to this pastor preach a message to his church. It was a good church. But he preached this message. I'm there listening to this message with my critical spirit fully engaged. You know, it was at 100%. So I'm listening to this sermon. I'm just like taking mental notes. I don't like that. And I don't agree with that. And that's not good. And no, and no, and no. And then guess what? I went home and I wrote him an email to tell him what I thought. Nom, 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 nom,
And you know, he responded to my email very patiently and graciously because he actually loved God. <laughs> and isn't God funny? He has a real sense of humor. Here I was, my young know-it-all self, sending an email criticizing this man's sermon, and God knew one day I was going to get my comeuppance. <laughs> you really do reap what you sow, church. Now I'm the one getting critical emails, and I started to feel real bad about what I did. I was like, man, I was such an idiot. I felt bad, and, and I, I repented about it. You know, years went by. I, felt, I always, I mean, it would, it would kind of pop in my head. Like, every time I get a critical email, I'm just like, oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> so finally, actually, this week as I was thinking about this, I, I was like, I got to find this guy's email. I, I found his assistant's email. I emailed him, and I'm like, hey, I know you don't remember this, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me, <laughs> you know. But it's funny how, you know, in that moment, I allowed critical thinking to turn into a critical spirit. And I want to say this to, to young people, not to put them down so all the older people don't amen right now, okay? Just, just be quiet for this part. <laughs> but, but you know why it's easy for young people to have a critical spirit? It's because they haven't done anything yet. <laughs> when, you're, when you're on the sidelines, it's easy to criticize what everybody on the field is doing. As you start to get more experienced in life, you start to realize, man, it's hard out there. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks. And I was critical until I actually had to do it. And then I realized, like, this isn't easy. You know, here, I, as a young guy, man, I thought I knew it all. I was critical. And this robs you. It robbed me from enjoying life and enjoying and loving people. Instead of celebrating what's good in people, a critical spirit causes you to see what's only wrong. Instead of enjoying life, you spend all your time complaining about what should have been better. And I, I think as Christians... We are specifically warned about judging and criticizing other believers, especially over issues of conviction and opinion. In Romans 14, it says this, accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. And we're not talking about important primary doctrinal issues like, is Jesus the son of God? Did he really rise from the dead? That's not up for debate. But there are secondary issues, and we get an example here. Like, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. And I love this. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So at times, you're going to disagree with fellow believers over matters of conviction or personal opinion. And the Bible says if it's just your opinion, don't argue about it. Don't turn your preference into a moral position and say, well, everyone who doesn't do it my way is sinful and they don't love God. That's being critical. It's having a critical judgmental spirit. Now, this passage talks about eating food, which is kind of funny because now it's a relevant issue again. You got people who are vegetarians judging people who eat meat and people who are gluten-free are talking about like the rest of us are going to hell because we eat bread. And it's like, just let people eat what they want to eat. 
You know, don't judge people and criticize them. Uh, let them do. But then there's other issues that this applies to, secondary issues that are hot topics for Christians. Like, what model of church governance is the right model? And what kind of worship music shall we sing? Controversial issues. I hear Christians ask, they're like, is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? And some people are like, oh, yeah, give me a beer. And other people are like, oh, no, that's totally wrong. And, you know, I would say um, the Bible doesn't say that it's a sin to drink. It does say it's a sin to be drunk. Yes. And I know some people that might need to read that part again. <laughs> and I would also say that as a pastor, like, you can't get drunk if you don't drink. So that's just, you know, take it or leave it. Um, but we all have our opinions about how things should be done. And God gave you those, you know, ab the ability to think and to have a personal opinion. You shouldn't feel bad that you have opinions. You shouldn't feel bad that you're passionate about certain issues. But you shouldn't criticize people who aren't passionate about the same things that you are. Don't tear one another down. In your passion, don't condemn each other with Christian uh, criticism. And I was going to say that I think Christians can sometimes be the most critical people. It's sad, but it's true. Like maybe you, maybe you grew up in a critical environment. Like, you know, I can't imagine, but it, but it does happen. Christians will go to church, then get in the car and drive home, and the parents will criticize the church service in front of their kids in the backseat. This doesn't happen here, but it happens at other places. <laughs> and then, you know, those parents grow up, and they're like, why don't my kids want to go to church now that they're growing up? Uh, and you're like, well, why do you think? They grew up listening to you talk bad about the thing that they need to have in their lives the most. Wow. Like critical attitudes hurt other people and it hurts us. We're called as Christians to support one another and encourage one another. You are designed to be a part of the bride of Christ, not tear apart the bride of Christ. So as Christians, we have to be especially on guard about having a critical spirit towards each other. I, I love what it said, verse four. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? That's a great passage. Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. Their own master. Their own master is Jesus. Jesus will evaluate and judge who is rewarded and who isn't. He's their master. He will judge. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus is evaluating us and judging us. But watch, it's not a threat. It says this, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. The word of God tells me right there that Jesus is rooting for you. With the Lord's help, you will stand. What he wants to do is to help you stand. He wants to lift you up. He wants to prop you up when you're weak. So think about this. Jesus wants to have your back and prop you up and help you stand. But then at the same time, there's a spiritual enemy. The Bible calls him the devil, Satan, the accuser of the saints. He's the ultimate critical spirit. He wants to accuse God's people. He wants to remind you of all your mistakes. He wants you to feel condemned and judged and not good enough. He is trying to tear you down. So see this, Jesus wants to prop you up. Satan wants to tear you down. So here's what God showed me this week. If I'm criticizing other Christians, if I'm tearing people down who Jesus wants to prop up, then I am aligning myself with the devil and fighting against God. Wow. He's so good. 
It's like, whose side are you on? And I think that's what we have to ask ourselves. Next time I'm tempted to start criticizing other Christians, it's like, wait, whose side am I on here? Because I sound like the accuser of the saints. And as God's people, you don't need another accuser. You need a sister and a brother in Christ who will have your back and help you stand. Amen? So, man, we don't want to be trapped by critical thoughts. We need to fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. We want to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. But sometimes we will struggle with critical thoughts. And when you do, I want to give you three fixes for a critical spirit. Three practical fixes for a critical spirit that come from spiritual truths. First, we need this. We need humility. Humility will fix a critical spirit. Because I think a critical spirit originates in pride. So Satan, the enemy, the accuser of the saints, the ultimate critical spirit, he got his start with pride. He was Lucifer, and he was in heaven as an angel, but he became prideful, and he wanted to be like God, so he was cast out of heaven and became the ultimate critical spirit. Criticism starts from a place of pride, believing that you are morally superior to other people. You can only condemn other people if you're morally superior to them. But think about this. Unless your name is Jesus, you're not. We're not, right? Because we have all fallen short of the glory of God's, his standard of right. We don't have a place to condemn. We've all sinned. And so it's important we understand, am I being prideful if I'm criticizing other people? Well, the answer is yes. Yes. Matthew 7, verse 3. Jesus said, why worry about a speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own? Doesn't Jesus have a wonderful way with the words? He's so feisty with the words. Jesus is like, you're walking around with a magnifying glass looking for the speck in everyone else's eye. You got a plank sticking out of your face, bro. <laughs> Deal with your plank. Who are, here's Jesus. Here's a spoonful of humility, right? Next time I'm tempted to criticize what everyone else is doing, I have to remember humbly I have my own flaws. We have our own flaws. We need humility, I think, to overcome insecurity. Because I think insecure people can become the most critical people. When you're insecure, which actually starts out of a place of pridefulness. Not everyone understands that. They don't think of insecurity and pridefulness uh, going together. But it's true. When you're prideful, you focus too much on yourself. When you focus too much on yourself, you focus too much on your flaws. When you focus too much on your flaws, you become insecure. It starts with pride, actually. And when you're insecure, what happens a lot of times is then you look to tear other people down to the place that you feel you're at. Insecure people, they often feel not good enough, worthless. It's a lie that comes from the enemy, but, but people, they'll try to tear other people down because they feel bad about themselves. And so that's why we need, we need humility to overcome insecurity and the criticism that comes with it. Matthew 23, 12 says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is not a trick question. Which one of those do you want to be? <laughs> when I humble myself and say, I am a sinner who cannot save himself, 
I need a savior. That's humbling yourself spiritually. The Bible says God, he will exalt you. He lifts you up out of the miry clay. He lifts you up from the pits of hell. He lifts you up. He says, I forgive you. I wash you clean. I adopt you into my family. I clothe you with a robe of honor that you don't deserve. I give you good gifts that you didn't earn. He lifts us up. He exalts us. So we have no place. We have no reason to tear other people down because we've been lifted up. I don't have to tear you down because I'm not down there anymore. Spiritually, God has lifted me up, not by my own goodness, but by his grace. Now, I don't want to tear you down. I want to bring you up here. I want you to be encouraged. I I want you to know that, man, there's more for you. God has good things for you, that, that there is goodness in you by God's grace. Humility is so important. Here's the next thing. Compassion will fix a critical spirit. The word compassion means to suffer with. It's hard to criticize people when you're suffering with them. It's putting yourself in their shoes and feeling what they feel. Critical people, they tend to not feel compassion. They don't think about what other people are going through. There's a a condition that psychologists talk about called attribution bias. And what that means is when people make mistakes, we're not compassionate, basically. (laughs) When, when, When you make a mistake, I chalk it up to who you are. If I make a mistake, it's just about my circumstances. That's attribution bias. So like if I cut you off in traffic, well, it's because I was running late and I'm having a bad day and I'm tired. If you cut me off, it's because you're a jerk and a terrible person and a menace to society. (laughs) And we all do that, don't we? Like we so do that. If I show up late, it's because, you know, I meant to get there on time, but, you know, I'm just running behind. If you show up late, it's because you don't respect me and care about other people. It's attribution bias. It's not being compassionate. Think about Jesus, though. Matthew 9, 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This passage talks about how Jesus, who humbled himself and came to earth, he was going around teaching and healing people, but not everybody recognized him or accepted him. And rather than condemning them, he had compassion on them. He could have condemned them. He had the power and position to do it. But he had compassion. He said, they're confused. They're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Jesus sympathizes with you. He knows what you're going through. You, You might be struggling at times and, think like, well, it's easy, it's easy for God to say that because he's God. <laughs> but Jesus, he's been in your shoes. There is no temptation that you face that he hasn't faced. That's why he's compassionate towards you because he knows what you're going through. When we criticize people, it's so messed up because we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they've been through. We just don't know. We don't know where they're at, what they intended to do. We don't know if they really are trying their best or not. We don't know their motives, their heart. That's why we can't condemn them. I love Proverbs 3, 7. It says um, says this. I'm looking for it, but I lost it. It says this. Don't assume that you know it all. There it is. Do you feel compassion for me right now? This is the fourth service I've preached today. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Stop. Right? Don't assume that you know it all. We can't assume that we know it all. We can't judge others because we don't know the whole story. 
And when we do criticize other people, it's usually because we made an assumption and it wasn't assuming the best. We usually assume the worst. But man, if you're going to assume, assume the best. You know, if your spouse frustrates you, assume the best. Well, you know, they meant to do a great job, but, but she's probably just tired right now. He, he's probably just stressed out. I know that, that she's doing the best she can. That's assuming the best. Don't assume that you know it all. That type of compassion will help you to not develop a critical spirit. Here's the last thing. We need mercy. Mercy will fix a critical spirit. And sometimes other people, they really are just wrong. They messed up. They blew it. And you have every right to criticize them in a manner of speaking. You could find the justification to criticize, to punish them with your words. And yet, Jesus tells us, to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is this idea that, you know, even if you're wrong and I'm right, I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm going to be lenient. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I want to be merciful. In Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. Uh oh. <laughs> the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That's very sobering. He says, don't do it. Don't judge other people this way. You will reap what you sow. The measuring stick that you're holding up to other people is the measuring stick that will be held up to you. Doesn't that make you stop and reevaluate the critical thoughts that we so easily have? I'm walking around criticizing everyone. Oh, he should have done that. They didn't do a good job with that. And Jesus says, that's the way that you're going to be evaluated. And I think that really is, is sobering. I, I got to stop and I got to pause and think about this. You know, I don't want to have those crosshairs turned back on me. And so maybe we need to stop and think. Next time we're tempted to, to criticize, wow, you know, I have my own flaws. And I hope that when I do make a mistake, and I will, man, I hope other people are merciful to me. Yeah. I, I think about this again. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Those words stick out to me. Who are you? That is emphasizing that sometimes we get confused about our role. Our role. Who are you? When I'm struggling with critical thoughts, I think the Lord wants to remind me that's not my business. <laughs> like, you've got enough stuff to worry about. There's enough that you have to be responsible for that you'll answer to God for. I, I don't need to go around criticizing what other people do. That's not my business. If you're tempted to think critical thoughts, just stop and ask yourself this Is that even my area of responsibility? I have my own area of responsibility. If I'm going to think critically, maybe I should evaluate my own performance. <laughs> and who are you? Like, they have their own master. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? So God will remind me, he's not my servant. She's not my servant. His master will judge him. His master is Jesus, Right? Jesus will judge them. And before I start thinking like, yeah, Jesus is going to judge you. Well, wait, Jesus is my master too. And Jesus is also going to judge me. 
And I just read that the standard by which I judge other people is the standard by which I will be judged. So wait a second. I think I want to change the standard. Uh, Let's go for the merciful standard. How about that? Like, yo, Jesus, go easy on him, okay? Uh, um, Be easy on him, Jesus. Be merciful because I'm up next. Mercy will cause me to think differently. James 2.13, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. That's powerful, right? I don't know about you, but I'm going to mess up. And when that happens, I sure hope that I will receive mercy rather than get roasted with criticism. And Jesus says, if you want that, you better give it. And if you do give other people mercy, if you're forgiving and lenient and patient and compassionate, then you'll receive the same kind of mercy. So we're all going to struggle with critical thoughts like this. I think, you know, we're all going to get caught up in that at times, and the Lord will help us. He'll, He'll point out for us, like, hey, right now, you're being really critical. Like, I know God does that for me sometimes. He'll stop me in my tracks. You know what you sound like right now? Death. <laughs> you're critical and you're negative and you need to stop. You need to humble yourself. We do. We have to humble ourselves and remember, I'm not perfect either. Before I go around pointing out the speck in your eye, maybe I should think about my own flaws. And then Jesus says, you know, you need to show compassion to other people. Think about what they're going through. You've been overwhelmed before. You know what it's like to be stressed out or to not feel good and do or say something that later you regretted? Be compassionate and sympathetic. Maybe someone else is going through something that you don't understand. Don't criticize them. And then I think here's the thing. He says, and even if you're right and they're wrong, give them mercy. God says, give them the mercy that I have given to you. Because if you want to continue receiving mercy, you've got to give mercy. It's not about whether they deserve it or not. The question that matters is, what has God done for you? He gave you mercy. Jesus, he humbled himself by coming into this earth. He showed compassion towards the people who did not accept him, but still he died on the cross so that he could give them mercy. And we want to be like Jesus. We don't want to be critical, negative people. This is going to be a church not that's critical of other people, but that's known for being encouraging and speaking life and celebrating what's best in other people because that's what God does for us. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then our worship team's going to come out, and they're just going to play in the background. And And I want to just ask you to stay seated at that time and pray and reflect. And I want us to have a moment so that if maybe maybe you've struggled with critical thoughts, God can show you that during this time and help you to overcome that. And, you know, if you've struggled with critical thoughts like me, then the, the, the way to handle that is to repent. And the Bible says if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you of your sins because he's merciful. So sometimes we have to stop and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've been critical of other people. I've been a negative, critical, judgmental person, and I need to stop. Help me to stop, and he will. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He will renew your mind and help you to think a different thought pattern. Um, I think he'll help you with that, and and I want to say this. If other people have been unfairly critical of you, then I think he wants to help you to forgive those people. He wants you to to help you to shake off that criticism and walk in confidence and freedom. So let's pray. God, 
We love you and give you all praise. You are so good to us. And you encourage us throughout all of your word. You, you remind us of your promises and you speak life over us and you remind us of your love for us. You are really a good God. And we want to be like you. We want to think like you. Sometimes we get caught up in negative, critical thoughts. And that's not what we want, Lord. Help us to think differently. Help us to think about what is true and honorable and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. We want to fix our thoughts, Lord. But sometimes we're weak. We need your help in those moments. Help us to be people who think good thoughts but also speak life to other people. Not looking for what's wrong, but celebrating what's good in other people. We thank you for your patience and your love and your mercy towards us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.